Welcome to Murder Resolution 2019. This is Episode 2, Acrasia, Moving Past It. Andre Guide, French author, Nobel Prize winner, and fearless self-explorer once said, It is better to be hated for what you are than to be loved for what you are not. <laughs> Many people attribute that saying to Kurt Cobain, you know, the amazing Nirvana singer who seemed to have it all. Remember him? He committed suicide. He had a beautiful wife, a stellar career, a devastating heroin addiction, long battles with depression, and a beautiful soul that was deeply troubled. The world lost him at the young age of 27. There are others, people who the general public look at and think they have it all. Such an amazing life who commit suicide and leave the world confused, sad, and contemplating. People like Kurt Cobain, Robin Williams, Kate Spade, Marilyn Monroe, Mindy McCready, Lucy Gordon, Michael Hutchins, Ernest Hemingway, Vincent Van Gogh, Sylvia Plath, Virginia Woolf, and Don Cornelius, some young, some old, all full of promise and talent, all achieving more than the average person all seemingly having something worth living for. Mindy McCready and Kurt Cobain both attempted suicide at least two known times before succeeding. Christine Chubbuck, a 29-year-old successful news anchorwoman, ended her life on live television by saying, And now, in keeping with Channel 40's policy of always bringing you the latest in blood and guts and living color, you're about to see another first, an attempted suicide. And then she put a gun to her head and shot, taking her own life on live television. The first time that ever happened. Sawyer Sweeten took his own life at the young age of 19. You remember him. Little Jeffrey Brown from Everybody Loves Raymond. Hunter S. Thompson, a renowned American journalist, at the age of 67, left his suicide note stating, Football season is over. 67. That's 17 years past 50. 17 more than I needed or wanted. Boring. After writing this note, Thompson shot and killed himself while having a phone conversation with his wife. We look at any of the names I listed and we think such promise, such talent, so sad. Many people have judged and will continue to judge people who commit suicide but ethos, pathos, or even logos pushed aside, there is no doubt that the desire to end life exists in some of the most brilliant minds for any variance of reasons. It's a sickness. Anyone who has taken his or her own life, particularly those who were physically healthy, were battling a real and scary mental battle. The disease in their mind, whether they were physically sick, is an actual sickness. Depression, chemical imbalance, or addiction was so strong that it blocked out any possibility of happiness or joy or hope that living promises. I often think acrasia is much like many of the aforementioned people's battles. The more I research this problem, the more I understand that there are deep and underlying issues for people who battle acrasia, just like the people who battle other mental illnesses. The more I study this problem, the more I realize that if I can't fix it, 
I will always be unsuccessfully trying to do something that I will just feel I can't achieve. The hope that I have that the aforementioned people didn't is that I actually believe that my battles with Acacia can be won. The people who took their own lives were either hopeless to a fix for their ailments or simply just wanted it all to stop. I am not, however, taking my acrasia lightly. What I am struggling with is a deep mental issue that must be worked through and dealt with if I have any hope of not only tackling my acrasia, but also of being truly content. I don't want to say happy, because I am starting to think that happiness is a perception more than a reality. I say content because I just honestly want to feel okay with myself. Murdering this side of myself just got even more complicated because it is a deep-rooted part of myself, a part of myself that has been with me most of my life, and a part of myself that I don't even like, not even a little bit. What I do have that the aforementioned people had somehow sadly lost is hope. I have this firm, strong current of belief that I am capable of not only truly changing, but the strong belief that I am capable of changing the parts of me that are self-defeating and holding me back. Want to know how? I'll be happy to share. Here is some of what I learned. Most people are living in an illusion based on someone else's beliefs. It seems strange, but it is most definitely true. It starts with our conscious and subconscious minds. From the moment we are born, our subconscious minds are completely and fully developed. This sounds strange, right? I certainly thought so. We all have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. Our conscious mind is where we figure out all of our stuff. Our subconscious is not analytical. It doesn't have the ability to analyze and determine things. Our conscious mind only stops when we are sleeping and fully develops in close correspondence with puberty. As I said earlier, our subconscious is fully developed the moment we are born. This part of our brain is the non-analytical part of our brain. It's the part of our brain that's all about feelings and instincts. All of the information from our early lives is stored in our subconscious minds. Because the subconscious is not analytical, it has no ability to determine truth. Let's say the difference between right or wrong, even. Interestingly enough, our subconscious minds actually get most of it, our information, while we're little kids, before our minds are fully developed. That's our conscious minds are fully developed. So just let that sink in for a moment. Our subconscious minds are fully developed when we're born. Our conscious minds develop when we're in puberty. Most of what our subconscious retains happens before that puberty mark. And all of that is what sticks with us most of our lives. So, we as little humans take in all of that information, all of the stuff we are exposed to, before puberty, goes into our subconscious. And because the subconscious is not analytical, our minds create a belief system based on all of that information, regardless of whether or not it is good information. 
this early information in our subconscious minds determines and creates our earliest conception of a belief system. This is our core as human beings. Now, some of you are going to think I'm crazy here, but I promise you it is true. Most of our adult problems come from bad information that is stored somewhere in our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind contains our mind's blueprint. Our subconscious minds are actually running the show based on the unfiltered information it gathered when we were kids. I know that's a lot to take in. When I first discovered this in my research, I thought, damn, that is scary. Maybe it's not so scary for me as it is for some people because I had a good upbringing, I had a good family, I had a good childhood, but it is still very scary. This is the reason why kids who are exposed to bad behaviors often grow up exhibiting those bad behaviors. Now, before you tell me that you are nothing like your parents, I recognize and accept that this is not always 100% the situation. People do break generational curses and even curses of their subconscious minds, but those people are mighty and strong, and most of us have no clue what is even driving our behavior, much less that we actually might need a hard drive reset on our brain. In fact, most humans are mostly oblivious to the subconscious beliefs that run our lives. So when our conscious minds finally develop and show up to put in our work, no matter how big or smart or sophisticated they'll grow up to be, they're still being controlled by the beliefs we're carrying around in our subconscious minds. Those beliefs we got as kids. So, our conscious mind thinks it is in control, but it isn't. At this point in my research, all I wanted to do was kick my subconscious mind's ass. I imagined this conversation in wild frames with vivid Batman onomatopoeias bursting around in my mind. My conscious mind would say something like, Subconnie, why are you going to do me like that? And my subconscious just would not respond. I would try to drop kick it, but alas, no response. It never speaks to me out loud. It only reverberates in my soul and apparently makes every move for me with no filter. Except my conscious mind, which actually has limited control in the first damn place. As the booms and bangs roll around in my mind, nothing was achieved. And so I kept going, needing to know more, needing to find out more. If I started to murder part of myself and then found out that that part of me I needed to murder actually came from some deep-rooted part of me that I actually can't kill and keep breathing, what am I going to do? I started getting really scared. I started thinking, what's the point? I'm doomed anyway. And then... Like a miracle, I found out that I wasn't doomed after all. This murder might not go as planned, but it might actually be better. Like on the soap opera, when Juan dies and we all cry and cry and can't believe he's dead, only to have him resurface five episodes later as Raul with no memory of when he was Juan. You know what I'm talking about. That plot twist that kind of has your mind reeling for days. Well, that's what moving past this acrasia is about to feel like. If you like plot twists and turns, I hope you'll stick around for my next episode. As it turns out, we will start there with more on your subconscious and conscious mind and how to soap opera plot twist the hell out of what you think you might not be able to change.
<laughs> Thanks for listening. Peace out. Oh, and as always, peace, love, and murder. <laughs>